Hello, Podicumens, and welcome to another episode of the Podicesis podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. I'm Brett Maddox, and once again, we're joined by your very best friends and the happiest two guys for summer vacation to be here. Jim Morrow, Alan Kaysen, how are you guys doing? I am doing great. Currently, without kids. Look at you. So this summer is off to a fantastic start. I love my <laughs> now, kids, though, but it's that, great. Now, now you didn't just, like, drop them off somewhere, right? Like yeah, you, I actually I mean, have no idea where they are <laughs> or who has them. Alan did the uh, whole coming-of-age thing where he drops them off in an undisclosed yes. location in the woods <laughs> and invites yes. them to find their way back home. Yes. That's right. And, That's right. you know, whoever comes back, comes back. <laughs> It's yeah, like a, I, it's like the Metters yeah. version of 300, right? <laughs> but listen, your sons, if and when they come back, they will yes. come back as men. That's right. <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I, I, I hope to see, I hope to see him uh, uh, tomorrow, actually. So, uh, <laughs> oh, that's exciting. Awesome. Jim, how are you? Fantastic. Summer vacation is in full swing, yes. which means the kids are having fun. And getting <laughs> doing their summer school reading, not for oh, summer look, school, but in prep for next year. School is, never ends. That is so wrong in the Morrow house. You're mm. not even giving them a break. Listen, <laughs> listen. You get it done at a leisurely pace early. You don't have to stress about it later. Well, I get that. I get that. But my best work has always been done at stress and anxiety heightened levels so and um, i wonder me too i wonder if i have an opportunity to teach them to do different than me well fair enough fair enough <laughs> fair enough they're I can't. good books though I, I i'm gonna read along one with them this is fun Middle that's awesome that's awesome books. well um hey guys before uh and jim you were the one who mentioned this i you know i'm you know my family and i are getting ready to move so my head's in the clouds most of the days um we we just hit yesterday. We're recording on June second. We just oh, hit yesterday. My gosh, our second year birthday anniversary, yes. whatever pod day, whatever. I don't know <coughs> uh, it, what it's called. It's yeah. pod day. It we is like it. on June one. We let loose into the wild. Yes, episode one of the Podakesis podcast. Yep, yep. And yep. it popped up on those memories on my Facebook feed, and I'm thinking. Two years. I know, right? Oh, yeah. Two Some, years. In, in so many ways, it feels like much longer. <laughs> in so many ways. And in for so all of you ways. listening, yes, I'm this, sorry this for all craziness of you has listening. occurred for two whole years. Yes. And I thought this is likely one of only two things I've ever committed to in my life for this long. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, two I can't believe it. Like, we... We we put together this thing. We thought it was just going to be us three. We put a funny name on it. Like it was, we had no we clue. We invented a name. We invented a name. Which yes. is the most creative that we have ever been and ever will be. <laughs> ever will be, yes. Um, so, uh, man, thank y'all for your support for over these last two years. And here's to um, at least six more months. You know, let's just kind of keep it going. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. apparently we've got a prenup situation going here. Uh, yes. Um, I will say, is it not providential, a grace from God, yeah. that our second pot of birthday occurred <laughs> the same day that episode three of Obi-Wan Kenobi dropped? Yeah, oh, I think it was uh, absolutely. I you can make a milestone out of anything, and I yes. made a milestone out of that. I yes. haven't I haven't seen Obi-Wan Kenobi yet. I'm oh still my And gosh. you are banished. You know what it took us two years to do, though? It took us two years to pry confessions out of Alan Kaysen. 
It sure did, actually. Years. We uh, have been trying to pull out of him stories of what it was like to be what we call a PK. I know. <laughs> it was rough. I mean, that's not re- a pneumatic karma. That is a preacher's <laughs> kid. That's a pneumatic karma. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not thinking very fast. Um, <laughs> is today, my mouth is working quicker than the brain. Is, now, yeah. is today finally the day where we pry the confessions from the preacher's kid? That's right. So Jim and Jim and I didn't grow up in the church. We we came into it a little bit later in life. But Alan was born in the church. But I mean, yeah. not literally born in the church. I don't think. I, actually I don't, don't think so. I think it was a hospital. Okay. Was, yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, he's he's been in the church since he was he was born as a mm-hmm. as a preacher's kid. Now we all have preachers' kids now. Um, so Alan, we wanted to kind of hear some of your deepest, darkest, um, uh, you know, stories that the statute of limitations has run out on. So you're, I think, I think you guys are going to be ultimately disappointed, but you know, I'm going to give this a shot. Um, (laughs) I think, uh, I think it's a lot easier to be a preacher's kids nowadays. Um, I don't know about you guys, but, um, I used to get the question all the time. Are you going to grow up to be like, just like your daddy and be a preacher? And I would politely say, heck no. Uh, um, oh. um, of course that, that um, ultimately God had different plans, but yeah. So um, I don't know, two things I'm, I was thinking about. So when I was in middle school, we lived in Leesburg, which is just above where uh, Jim is currently residing. Yes. Um, and so in 1994, there was a massive flood that happened yeah. in Georgia yeah. and Albany, Lee County, Darty County got hit really hard by the flood. Um, um, our, our area was not, uh, where we, where like our parsonage was and the church was, it was fine. Um, so what happened is, um, our church became a massive hub of relief, um, relief. I mean, we, I remember having semis in our, in our parking lot and in our, um, uh, property, uh, refrigerator trucks, all these for all kinds of different mission organizations. And all of our Sunday school classes got turned into, um, pantries. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, you know, just supplies. I mean, it was a whole summer. It was all summer long of 94. Um, and so, um, I spent most of my summer there at the church, um, helping people, um, get their supplies and so forth, getting them to the cars and everything. So anyways, I was helping somebody out of the car, out of the, out of the church, opening a door, letting them out. And then I saw an older gentleman having trouble at his car, putting stuff in his car. And so, um, oh no, vice versa. I was at the car. I was at the car and I saw somebody trying to get out of the church. And so yeah. I'm helping this guy put stuff in his car and I see somebody trying to get open the door and they're having trouble. So I run to the door and as I'm running, I slip and these brick steps, um, um, the corner of one of those bricks went directly into my knee. No. Uh, yes. Um, and so, um, so here I am trying to help, you know, and, and all of a sudden I have, my knee is busted open. It's the nastiest thing you've ever seen. And, um, so I get, I had to go to, we actually go to Albany to the hospital. I think it's Phoebe Putney or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, I have, I have like seven or eight stitches be put in my knee. Um, and so I start school like that. You know, that was toward the end of school, but also that same summer we had, I want to say it was somebody dealing with UMCOR 
stay at our house who was like a representative who was dealing with flood efforts and trying to like, you know, I guess do like appraisals and stuff like that. I'm not sure, you know, like trying to coordinate um, stuff. It was the worst experience. <laughs> this really? guy was an utter jerk. <laughs> um, um, okay. Yeah. And so like he lived in our house, though, like guest house in the parsonage. And um, I think it was one of the only times in my life that I ever got in an argument with an adult like um, and like a lot of times it was like my parents were there and so um anyways one time my parents were and finally they basically asked him nicely to leave um so anyways it was an that was one of the, that was a heck of a summer um of 94 then um again by the way like, can i just interject having your mom and your dad who are two of the nicest people <laughs> I, i've ever really kind of met actually tell someone they have to leave um I, I, yes, I would like to see. Well, uh, you, you never seen Mama Bear come out with her uh, only with her only son, so <laughs> uh. um, only child. Yeah. So, um, so then, um, so then, uh, you know, just one quick uh, high school San, mm, Sanderson. I just said it. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say it. Um, but um, okay, so I don't know how many people know. Um, parsonages are unique i guess can be parsonages being the homes that the church provides for the yes. pastor and the family yes yeah. thank you so uh, i grew up in parsonage and parsonages and then now as a pastor i pretty much grew up i mean i still live i mean i so rarely have i had a home or a place that was really my own so anyways so the church provides parsonage they usually furnish it some churches go a little bit beyond that and especially with different rooms in the house, there used to be a lot, a lot of this, and I don't know how much it is now, but um, you used to have like a family living room where it was like, you know, the, the church family, the pastoral family could do whatever they want to with the, that part. But then there was like a formal living area and a formal mm -hmm. dining room. And oftentimes churches would kind of see that as their own little, I don't know, plaything where they could go in and decorate and put whatever they wanted into. It's almost like a museum, and you and like guys like our family, we'd rarely go in that room, you know, and just like, oh, well, I don't want to break anything. I don't mm -hmm. want to do it. So, um, I'm, I'm coming home from school one day, and so these parsonages often have a parsonage committee, um, lay people in the church that are in charge of the upkeep and, and making sure that everything's well and good with the parsonage. And so, I come home, I open the door, I walk in, and there is a parsonage committee member in the house nobody else is home they're in the house apparently they had a key and they are putting up what i later would call my mom and say this lady is putting an urn in our um in our house it was like this decorative flower pot mm -hmm. um and it was the most surreal moment like i've never walked in my house and somebody else was already in there and like she had like she owned the place um, because in her mind it was part of the church. And so she felt like she did, but, yeah. um, but it was in this area where we don't really go into and it was anyways. So my mom gets home, she proceeds to take that, uh, urn looking flower pot and she puts it in the closet and <laughs> that was the end of the story. <laughs> that was it. So that was it. Were there um, ashes in that thing? No, it just looked like an urn. It was just like, mm. it was just one of those things. It's like you get it, a like an antique store and, um, it yeah. was, it was, it was so, yeah. you know, we didn't have too many, too much of that, but every now and then you get some people who think the parsonage is theirs. And, yeah. uh, um, you know, I mean, I was a good, it was a good, 
being a PK was a good thing. It was yeah. ultimately, I mean, this, mm-hmm. well, I'm here, uh, I'm here part of, partly because of it. So, yeah. um, that's, so, that's all I got for you guys. I'm sorry. It was very disappointing. So you didn't do uh, anything like, uh, um, you know, I don't know if any of your churches had an actual baptismal pool. You didn't do like, we didn't, uh, didn't no. have that. So there were no, uh, cannonballs. Uh, into I was, the- I was always rushing to, to, to eat communion elements after <laughs> communion. That was definitely go. a thing yeah, yeah, you know, because yeah, yeah. that was, you know, dad was always staying afterwards to clean up. So I, of course I got bread and juice all I wanted. And guess what? My kids now do the same thing. There they, you go. They're actually aggravating about it. Um, but you uh, weren't though. You weren't. No, not me. Of course. No, no. Yeah. no uh, not at all. Did, no. uh, you didn't do anything like uh, steal money from the offering plate or anything. Yeah, like I that. did that once. That's <laughs> No, I told you guys, I think I've already told the story where like I had, um, we had those little churches that you would, you would like Sunday school classes, you would get little church, little box churches that would, um, oh, yeah, had little yeah. coin yeah. Uh, yeah. holes in it. And I, and I, I thought that I could just take one home with me. <laughs> <laughs> I was in, I was, I was, I was young. And so was anyways, I was 16. He was 16. Yeah. Yeah, was, <laughs> well, he was he he had just turned sixteen. Yes, turned yes. a little credit. Yeah, so I did. I did end up getting in a very big trouble for for thinking that was mine or that I could take that. Um, so, um, I did do that. That is that um, is so my, funny. The problem is, I'm, my memory is horrible. Uh, yes, Kristen. Kristen's is the complete opposite. She remembers. Well, I mean, everything. I can help you out by loading up your rap sheet um, and mugshot. <laughs> Yeah, like. <laughs> I thought I had that expunged. Expunged, 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 expunged yeah. Yeah, from yeah, the that, law, yeah. but not from yeah. the Google machine. Oh, that's true. That's dang true. It. Dang yes. it. So. Well, um, well, that's awesome. See, I that's mean, what you got your fifty stars for, guys. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about this today. Actually, probably Jim's story of meeting Patrick Stewart and should seeing have been Kevin Branagh and all yes. of this glory probably should have been. Uh, or I Kenneth tried, Branagh, I tried, Kevin, but Kenneth. you guys insisted. So yeah, I know, I know. That was just it was an arbitrary thing on my <laughs> end. So what are you going to do? <laughs> I like I, to I mean, think I, I like to think that our fifty stars came just from people who sheer just enjoy our podcast. There you go. They yeah. no reward was necessary. Yeah. Um so awesome. Wow. Awesome. Are you about to start singing the sound of music too? Oh, I'm singing about Kumbaya. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my. my. All right. So um all right, enough of Alan. Yeah. So let's <laughs> right, exactly. I agree. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get into uh, the catechism. We're still uh, looking at the Lord's Prayer and each of its petitions, and today we're going to be looking at the third petition um, and from Wesley's revision of the Shorter Catechism. So um, what do we pray for in the third petition? In the third petition, which is your will be done in earth as it is in heaven, we pray that God, by His grace, would make us able and willing to know, obey, and submit to His will in all things, as the angels do in heaven. Mm-hmm. And uh, that petition is from Matthew six ten. Yes. Ooh. So uh, good stuff there. We're going to read some scriptures now, and um, let's start with the Psalms. Um, I'll do Matthew. I'll Matthew. I'll do Psalm sixty-seven. Hey, let's start with the Psalms. I'll do Matthew. Now. Uh, Psalm sixty-seven. And I'm just You're so read. rattled from all the secrecy of you know, hiding like, your I feel past. Like my, I feel like a burden has been lifted. Yet I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm just all flum up. <laughs> yeah, flum, flummoxed. Yeah. Wouldn't it be uh, wild if that umcore guy was a big fan of ours listening <laughs> right now? He's like, well, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute!" 
Yeah, that is that is my big fear right now. And I do want to clarify, I'm not sure if it was UMCOR, but um, UMCOR is a fantastic organization. Yes. That, uh, um, United Methodist Committee on yes, Relief. Yes. Um, give. Yes. All your money goes to relief. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Uh, Psalm 67, verse 1, it's, uh, all seven verses. May God be gracious to us and bless us. Make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all the nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Um, and so I think uh, may all your ways be done, known, on earth your salvation among all the nations um yeah i think it's a <clears throat> that's i mean it's a good word i mean yeah. it's a good word yeah absolutely um and then we've got psalm 103 yeah i'm going to pick up uh just two verses verse 20 and 21 which come from the catechism it says praise the lord you his angels mm -hmm. you mighty ones who do his bidding and obey mm -hmm. his word praise the lord all his heavenly host mm -hmm. You, you, his servants who do his will. And so this is picking up on a couple of themes. The catechism, I kind of like it, um, talks about um, obeying and submitting to God's will in all things as the angels do in heaven. Mm -hmm. And so you have in this, this psalm is an example of what would be a perfect obedience and a perfect uh, carrying out of his will is what this psalm is, is describing from the heavenly hosts. Yeah. So, I mean, you could, if you're having a really bad day, you could read this and praise the Lord, you, his angels. And you're like, mm, God just called me his angels. <laughs> but, but, but are talking about the heavenly hosts, which I mean, it's an interesting, it's an interesting turn in yeah. the catechism because I personally don't often think of that very much. Right. But I think that's great. So uh, Wesley in his um, explanatory notes on the New Testament um, with this piece, he has taken the petitions of the Lord's Prayer and he has turned them into kind of prayers themselves. Awesome. Um, and so when we get to thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, this is what he prays. He says, may all the inhabitants of the earth do thy will as willingly as the holy angels. May these do it continually, even as they, without any interruption of their willing service, yea, and perfectly as they, mayest thou, O Spirit of grace, through the blood and everlasting covenant, make them perfect in every good work to do thy will, and work in them all that is well-pleasing in thy sight. And this just really goes with Wesley's understanding of many different things, particularly what we've talked about with sanctification, um, being made perfect in holy love, um, that there is, when we are at saying, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is not just uh, a prayer of unreachable hope. Um, it is um, it is a prayer. Uh, it's almost like a marching orders, mm. if you will. And so, um, very powerful there. And then in the uh, third petition, we'll also see that you know your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, this idea of God's will being done, and we know Jesus speaks to this very interest, very poignantly, particularly in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
Um, and the, the, the proof texting that we have from the catechism really highlights verse 39 of chapter 26 in Matthew, but I'm going to back up just a little bit for context purposes. Um, and start at verse 36, when uh, then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there to pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful and even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to his disciples and he found them sleeping. And he just continues that story. But that very, very famous passage, that very famous uh, phrase, um, if there's any way for this cup, this cup of suffering, this cup of, uh, of death, this cup of, bear, of, of bearing the mission that I was sent for, all of this, if this cup could pass from me, let it be, but ultimately your will be done. And so when Jesus is teaching us to pray in Matthew 6, he is showing us that when we say your will be done, that this is not just something that just gets thrown away. It is a, a way of orienting our lives. Hmm. Um, and even um, I, I was reading a, a, a Bible commentator uh, Bible commentary on this, and this is what the biblical scholar said. Um, he wrote, uh, the third petition speaks of God's will coming to pass. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, this appeal is to be linked with the preceding petition, which we've looked at earlier. Uh, wherever the kingdom of heaven, this is the key, wherever the kingdom of heaven exerts its presence, God's will is experienced. God reigns in heaven, absolutely, which means that all of heaven experiences God's will. And then he'll go on later to say um, in another paragraph, the invocation of the first three petitions, um, hallowed be thy name, um, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Um, uh, the first three petitions give Jesus' disciples the right priorities for we are less likely to pray uh, frivolous, frivolously, I can't say that word, or selfishly for God's will if we have first and meaningfully glorified God as Father and entreated him to bring his kingdom to earth. Then the next three petitions can be properly focused and the needs of, on the needs of individual disciples, their sustenance, their sin, and their spiritual battles. So in a way, this the first three petitions that we see here in the Lord's Prayer help focus us help prioritize us. Um, and uh, I, I, I think I said this last time, um, some of the uh, Bible commentaries that I've been reading have linked the Lord's Prayer to the Ten Commandments, not in that there are, you know, like a, a parallel here of, you know, commandment one, petition one, commandment two, petition two, that kind of, no, not like that, but in its structure. You go to the Ten Commandments, and the first four commandments are specifically oriented towards God. And the first three petitions of the Lord's Prayer are specifically oriented towards God. It's all to give us right perspective, um, right um, uh, orientation in our lives as well. Hmm. So that's the Garden of Gethsemane, God's will be done. So when we talk about God's will, what are we talking about? You know, it's talking about Willis? Yeah, we're talking about Willis. <laughs> 
the psalm God. talks about that just happened. Um, <laughs> the catechism i mean talks about um uh making us able to know and obey um and i like the tying it together with the thy kingdom come so what we're hoping for and that's almost like if you're looking at it grammatically it's almost parallelism mm-hmm. you can read it in that way your kingdom come and by that i mean your will be done on earth as it is in heaven mm-hmm. which is which is what we're talking about when we're talking about the kingdom of god and the kingdom of heaven um, but then, so there's there's two parts to this. One is it's not entirely impersonal and cosmic, like, God, I want your will to be done everywhere only. Mm-hmm. It's, And it's not only I want your will done in me, but it's both. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they feed into each other. What I enjoyed about the note from Wesley is he talks about, may your will be done as willingly as the angels do it. Yeah. And so that's actually a beautiful thing because one, it does speak to me, but it also, I want God's will to be done. um, When I think about things like these continued mass shootings that we see in difficult, uh, in in horrible, tragic situations, especially recently in schools um, in Uvalde, Texas is is an example. Yes. Uh, That week that, that, that occurred in was a horrific week um, in many ways in California and in New York um and so i want god's will to be done there and what a beautiful thing is it is that god's will could be done it willingly by people that the spirit can soften so i also then pray that god would soften people's hearts not just bring swift justice um it's a both and kind of situation um yeah if that makes any sense it absolutely does and i and thank you for mentioning those um events that have happened in the last few weeks um you know, I remember coming to the church that Sunday after the Uvalde uh, shooting, and um, after a week, of, a few people asked me, like, what do you say to this? You know, what, what, how do you speak to this? I'm a big believer in speaking the language of the church, which is scripture and looking, you know, I, the, the Christian faith is political, but it's not partisan. I like that distinction. Um, and so when you look at the Christian faith and what it calls us to do, um, my words fail. My words fail. And so there, you know, Psalm 121, for example, became kind of the prayer that I would pray along with the church because of that opening line in Psalm 121. I lift my eyes into the hills. Where does my help come from? It comes from the maker of heaven and earth, my creator, the uh, maker of heaven and earth. That, that, that's a right orientation, right? Like in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of brokenness and darkness and, and, and confusion and uh, words failing us, uh, our orientation is to look up into the hills, right? Is to look up and say, where does my help come from? And to know that my help comes from God. And that's what understanding... God's will, you know, is is this idea of have, letting God's will to be done is as much a uh, as much a part of our orient, orienting ourselves to look up to Him, to 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 look to Him in all things. And I think Jesus models this for us in Gethsemane. The church will model this for us th- for us through the through the ages. You'll see this um, in the uh, you'll see this in the uh, New Testament. 
um, in the letters of Peter and Paul's writings. Um, you'll see this in the churches where persecution and all kinds of things are, are coming their way. And what is the call? The call is to, to serve your enemies, to, to, um, I'm I'm mindful of Peter in his letter um, where he talks about uh, Christians who are, who basically are slaves in pagan households that they respond to their abuse and whatnot with washing their master's feet. That's a right orientation to God's will. What is God's will? God's will is for God to be known and uh, to, to know God and to make him known. And the way we do that, is through our our service, through our humbling ourselves, through having the mind of Christ, um, who would lay down His life for us. And so, God's will for me, when I think of God's will, it's not so much of, um, you know, uh, what am I going to do with my life. God's will for me is an orientation of my life to 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 submit myself to Him. You, said that sense. you know, I, th- I think I agree. Um, there's two things. One, I appreciate the answer in the catechism. We pray that God, by his grace, right. would make us able mm-hmm. and willing mm-hmm. to know, obey, and submit. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not something we can do on our own. Mm. Um, that, one, it's hard to, I can't know God's will on my own, and I can't obey, and I can't submit on my own. Um, that it is by God's grace, which you could say is to, to, partly given through the Holy Spirit, who guides and convicts and 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 leads. Um, and so it's not something that like we're. I don't have to do it in my power. I can't because I can't do it in my power. I can't. It's not something that 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 that, that can be done. But God mm-hmm. gives it to us. I also like this as God. It, we can't even essentially be willing to do it. Yeah. Mm. Without the grace of God. Uh-huh. Sure. Right. Go ahead. Right, absolutely. Then, yeah. so, so then going back to the whole, like, um, the understanding God's, for me, and this just comes full circle with the catechism. It does. What is the chief end of man? Yep. To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Yep. Yep. That is God's will. I mean, for me, I mean, like, you know, um, again, it doesn't have to do with my occupation. It doesn't have to do with my job. Yes. It doesn't have to do with right. um, where I'm at or what I'm doing. Um, God's will is for me to glorify him and to enjoy him forever. Um, and um, and whatever, whatever I can do to do that, well, guess what? That is God's will. And so um, it, it, we, we, we make it to be some mysterious thing. And sometimes maybe it, it is, but at the same time, it's not as plain. It's simple. It's glorify God and enjoy him forever. That is God's will. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, can I do that on my own? No, I need God's grace. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. Yeah. Um, but it is not, it is not the big mystery that we want to make it out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, wait, wait. Uh, Wasn't there a book called The Secret? This isn't The Secret. I can't write my <laughs> book called God's Secret. God's yes. Secret. No. Oh. I'd left out, I'd left out four, four kind of simple things that help us to know, uh, one is this prayerful posture of God. I want to, yeah. Um, God, I want to know, I want to be willing. One of my favorite prayers is, um, God, I want to want this from you, or I want to yeah. want yeah. what you would have me because I, if, if, if I'm honest, I don't always. Yeah. So this prayer, this prayerful posture, you also know quite a lot through the revelation of scripture. Um, as we grow and are formed, not as if it's basic instructions before leaving earth, that could be the worst acronym <laughs> that I've ever heard in my life. 
Um, but that as we are, as we know and learn and are shaped by the narrative of scripture, we learn more and more about what it means to be in God's will. We learn it through the witness of the church and especially even those who are around us now. Yes. But then uh, one of the things I think is super important and Alan picked up on this is it is the present continuing action of the Holy spirit that will awaken, enliven, um, teach, and um, enable us in, in given moments that there might be a particular expression of God's will that can be done right here um, that the Holy Spirit will enable and call us to do. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I think we've picked up um, in, our, in our theological studies is, and it's this right along with the spirit and truth motto and mission, is the more we have studied in theology, the more, and I'll speak for myself, the more I am aware of the reality and the movement of the Holy Spirit in real time in hearts, lives, and, and in the world. So what did I say? We can we start to begin to orient ourselves to God's will in this prayerful posture and scripture through the church and through the spirit are just some simple ways you can think about that. Mm. That's, um, that's really good. That's most helpful. Uh, that's like I, a sermon. I think I'm just going to scratch. I think it. you need to it's just sermon four points. All four I need points. is a poem. I know. Or, or make a sermon series out of it and just expand on each point. No, no, that's more work. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> just give me um, lists. Yes, make it happen. Make it happen. Um, now, I, I think that's I think that's very, and I like what you said, Alan, about how sometimes we complicate God's will. Oh, I've been yes. I've been talking about that here um, uh, quite a bit um, in Bible studies. I mean, in fact, I did a Sunday school uh, class, um, a younger Sunday school class. Um, kind of young adults wanted me to come in. Um, a while back and kind of talk about God's will. They had been hearing about it and they wanted to know more about it. And it's interesting when you do a, a word study on God's will, there's different words for it in the Hebrew and in the Greek, and, and they all have their little nuances here and there. But the big piece to God's will is knowing God and making him known, right? It is, know, it is a glorifying him and enjoying him. It is a posture of, it's an orientation of our lives that he is, he is, to be glorified and praised, and we are to submit to him and to be obedient to him. And it really doesn't get much more complicated mm. than that. Um, I think when we add complication to it, we we um, we become we get in danger of not being able to live out that that life that God is calling us to do. Because yeah, I, I, yeah, we 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 put too many uh, fences or. Or, or, or whatever around this core idea where this core idea really is a simple idea. And I think it's okay to say it's pretty, it's pretty simple. Now, it's hard to live out in the sense that our brokenness, our sinfulness in our own selves will keep us from that or will try to block us. I think that's why uh, the writer of Hebrews will say, let us throw off everything that in, uh, entangles, every sin that entangles us, right? This idea. But again, in that same passage, he will say, and let us look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Again, orienting ourselves mm-hmm. in the right direction. So, yeah, um, it, there's an irony that comes, like the more you the more we kind of like what is god's will like yeah. that you have to have a specific answer or a specific choice mm-hmm. one that's a little bit magical thinking oh i yeah. get Oof. it i i've done there but it actually um like you were talking about brett it it 
puts boundaries on, it closes you off from what you are seeking to receive Mm. uh, with the stress and with the limited thinking and with the shame of not knowing the guilt that you can't hear when really what it, what, what it requires in any given moment is an openness uh, to the movement of God. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost self-defeating um to to do we we make the way by walking and i know i invoked brian mclaren unnecessarily there mm-hmm. um but a path is made as people tread it mm-hmm. um so one you can know god's will by finding the well-worn path of the faith but also also like just maybe hold it a little more loosely and recognize that um you're not going to catch god off guard and put him in a situation that god cannot redeem redirect or <laughs> turn you around from there's a, a Thomas Merton prayer that I'm fond of. Y'all might have heard it. Uh, Aaron Sorkin loves to use it in his TV shows. Um, what does he say? Um, Lord, I, I want to please you. And I know that my desire to please you does in fact please you, even though I don't know where I'm going, something to that effect. Yeah. And just kind of hold it loosely enough to know that as Brian Russell says, God has much more invested in any of this than you do, even in your own life. Um, yeah. and so to pray, like what a beautiful thing to pray, Lord, may your, your will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven. Yeah. And that's everywhere. And that's in me. Right. This is a good place to, to let you know, or to, to mention that, um, being a student of church history and being a student of the writings of those who, those men and women who have gone before us is helpful in this. Um, I liked how you said that, that well-worn path. That I think is, that's a Kevin Watson phrase. Yeah, that that well-worn path that goes before us. We're not having to go out with machetes and and chop down vines and and make a new path. But there is a there's there's a cloud of witnesses that has gone before us and done this and lived this out and shown us the way. And um, that that's a powerful thing. When you read that, when you see that, that becomes an encouragement to us that a it can be done. Um, but B, this is what faithful, right-oriented life looks like, uh, that, that, that submits oneself to God's will, that understands the beauty and simplicity of what God's will actually is. I remember in, uh, in college, uh, my, uh, there, was a, there was a book. It was an old book at that time, but um, my, my college pastor at the time, he, um, he really liked it. It was called The Will of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by Leslie Weatherhead. Uh, Weatherhead is that right? Anyway, um, the will of God, and and even it when when we were reading, it's a very small book, and but it was very popular because it had broken down God's will into three categories. Let me see if I can remember them. There was God's uh, perfect will, God's permissible permissive will, and God's and there's another one I can't remember. But the idea was there's God's always perfect will, but then there's God's permissive will that may not be perfect but it is God's allowing it because of human condition or whatever. And I remember listening to this and, 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 and kind of reading up on it and thinking that just complicates things. Like, isn't God's will just for us to know him, to, to, to glorify his name in our lives? Um, don't we, it just seems like it was just too complicated to me, even in a book like that. So uh, yeah. Um, I, you know, I like food. I'm a big food uh, guy. Like um I could eat. I can eat. I can I eat. I could eat. So I use a lot of analogies sometimes when I preach about food. Mm. And, and what I like to say is um, the meat and potatoes of our faith 
is to know God and to make him known. It's to glorify God and to enjoy him. It's to orient our lives towards, towards God and, be, and submit ourselves to him. And the gravy is just everything else, right? <laughs> like it's just kind of just everything else. It's your job and how you, you know, whether or not you're going to move to a new city or this, that stuff is important. It, it, it flows over God, the understanding God's will, but that is not God's. God's will, the, the meat and potatoes of God's will is to glorify him, to enjoy him, to submit ourselves to him. Everything else is just gravy. I like gravy a lot. I do gravy too. It's good. Gravy yeah. is hey, good. I want to circle on something, tie a current event back in. We're talking about the will of God. And uh, we, we had talked about Peter yeah. and his discussion of uh, Christian slaves in pagan households. Yeah. Or even in Christian households, I guess. Um, I just want to make sure everybody knows that, um, that there's a lot of a lot of nuance here and we can talk about god's will and use it and wield it in a way of power yeah um that is actually not god's will but we can make it we can make other people try to bow to it as if mm. we baptized our will with god language which Ooh. which we do a lot yes um and i'm saying this because in the same week that we are discussing uh shootings uh, we also had um a really kind of big moment uh in the southern baptist convention um, with their executive commission, kind of helping people come to terms with um, abuses that were covered up yeah. in in the in the convention, and this is not to, you know, th- there are brothers and sisters in Christ, so we pray for them to work through this as a as a convention, the same we do for all of our others. Um, but just to be sure that when we know that God's will is when we orient our ourselves to God, and we think about things like First Peter, um, if we are being abused. Uh, and somebody tells us that God's will is for us to wash their feet in a situation like that, that's not what we're talking about. Right, right. That's not what we're talking about. In fact, God's will would be for the abuser to humble themselves, repent, um, and mm-hmm. come straight out into the light to, to face the justice of God and man. Right. Um, and there, that's for some reason that takes a lot of nuance because a very simplistic readings of the Bible and understanding of God's will, like using it as a, as a power maneuver mm-hmm. is sadly something that we have seen throughout the, the, throughout time and continue to see now. And that one of the greatest things that ministers of the gospel and people of faith need to guard themselves against. Yeah. Um, God's will is net will never be. And you can just catch this from scripture um, for any of us to, Take God's name in vain to overpower someone else for our own gain and mm-hmm. for their own and for their diminishment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when when I when I pray uh, the Lord's prayer this past couple of days, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm praying um, for those closed spaces where people are uh, misabusing or abusing their authority in God's name to hurt other people. God, if you would go before and make and fix that where we can't today. That would be a beautiful thing. But also I pray, God, uh, your will be done. Is there something that you that I could step into that would help? Um, and maybe maybe saying hard things out loud on a podakesis podcast that four mm-hmm. other people listen to is one way to do that. Y'all will pick up on I am very passionate about the right use of authority and about making the church a safe place yeah. for all people to be. There is nothing that ang well. There are very few things that anger me more righteously um, 
than people making an idol out of God so they can abuse other people. Amen. All right, my rant is over. No, and that's a good word. <laughs> and if you actually read those writings out of Peter, for example, you'll see that it is it's about not taking in turning power against mm-hmm. over our, you know, not becoming what they are, that's uh, right. but doing something different. That's right. Uh, so that's, that's, yeah, absolutely. Good word. All right. Well, um, that's God's will. And um, <laughs> <laughs> we waited for this many episodes to tell yes. you. Yeah. That's yeah. God's will for you. We so uh, to the end. I don't, we don't want to hear. We want to know what God's will for you is. Uh, we want to know what God's will for our lives is because now we've told you and uh, <laughs> you should, you should be good to go. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so um, uh, we, uh, you know, we would love for your feedback on this. Um, so you can reach us at Podakesis on social media, um, questions at podakesis.com. You can also email us. You can also call us on voicemail 404-635-6679. Um, this is getting to some heady stuff. And, you know, I know we've spent a lot of time saying it's not complicated, but, you know, there, there is complication to it in the sense that we are in a fallen and broken world. And there are a lot of things pulling for our attention, for our devotion, for our lives. And uh, that, that can complicate things, even though God's will may not be necessarily complicated. So uh, we'd love to hear from you on this and get your thoughts on God's will. Um, our next episode, we're going to be talking about the fourth petition of, um, of the Lord's Prayer, which is um, has to do with daily bread. And I like bread. I like bread a lot. Um, I, like, I like bread daily. So <laughs> we'll see um, what that petition has to say to us. As a reminder, uh, the Podakesis Podcast is a proud member of the Spirit and Truth Podcasting Network. Spirit Truth is a movement of Wesleyan-minded Christians seeking to awaken and equip 21st century, the 21st century church through the power of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel and make disciples of Jesus Christ. We long to see a new movement of Christians who are empowered by the Spirit, rooted in truth, and mobilized for mission. For more information and resources, you can visit spiritandtruth.life. Like I said earlier, hit us up on social media. Uh, email us, questions at podakesis.com is where you can email us. Leave a five-star rating and review at Apple Podcasts. Um, that helps so much. And we are so excited that we have made it two years with you guys. May Woo-hoo. it be two more. and <laughs> At least two more. Yep. Yep. And uh, until next time, we will uh, we'll talk to you later. Y'all have a good one. Yeah.